Welcome to the Pineapple Couch. Today is Monday, March 9th, and we are back. We apologize for our absence, but it is good to be back into your lives now. We're going to talk some NBA today with the Pineapple Couch's resident NBA insider, John, my brother. John, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. The pleasure is all mine, John. I'm really excited to talk about the NBA because we just had two, maybe the two biggest games of the regular season were this weekend, you could argue. Um, and those two games being Lakers-Bucks on Friday night and then Clippers-Lakers on Sunday. Um, and the Lakers, <clears throat> let's just get right into it. The Lakers were victorious in both of these games. And we're going to get into the MVP race later, so I won't mention that. But dominant performances from LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You have Giannis on the Bucks. I have the stat line right in front of me, so we'll start with the Bucks-Lakers. Lakers win by 10, 113-103. Giannis, you're going to get 32 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Watching that game, I never was at the point where I don't think Giannis like choked that game away. Would you? Are you on the same page as me, or are you a little harsher on him? I wouldn't say that he choked the game away, but I think his stat line suggests that he played a little better than he did. Like when I just watching the game, I would it. It was a very quiet, 32 and 11 and 6 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, yeah, I, I see what you mean by that, because a lot of his scoring, I believe, was in the first half. The thing that I that really stood out to me as this game went on, and keep in mind, this is a regular season game, so who really wins or loses doesn't matter that much, but what you're really taking seriously in this is a potential finals matchup between these two teams, or as in, in case of Lakers-Clippers, a potential playoff matchup. So seeing them, seeing the ways that these teams attack each other is kind of like, it's a huge what I'm um, the word like a huge sign of what's to come in the playoffs I guess so with that being said the Bucks are having an incredible regular season some things really did stick out to me in this game was in the fourth quarter third quarter as well when the Lakers were taking over the third quarter is really where the Lakers made their run I think LeBron had 18 in the third um no one on the Bucks besides Giannis and coincidentally weirdly Dante DiVincenzo really had the stones to take it to the basket and really go at the Lakers because the Lakers were bringing everything they had at them and that's worrisome because the thing about the Bucks is Giannis is amazing but who's their second guy it's Chris Middleton is Chris Middleton a good enough second piece to win you a championship a lot of people say no but this year how good the Bucks have been and how dominant Giannis has looked some people have said oh maybe well, in this game, Chris Middleton had 12 points. I believe he was 6 for 18 from the field or something like that. And down the stretch of the game, he was not taking it to the basket hard. He kind of disappeared into the sides of the court. He was taking jump shots, but at a certain point, you got to just take the ball to the basket in such a physical game, and he was not doing that, unlike Giannis obviously was and DiVincenzo was. And the other thing that really stood out to me, and I'm curious to hear what you think about this, is Middleton on defense, he's taken such an easy assignment. He was guarding on the Lakers. I believe he was guarding Avery Bradley. No shots at Avery Bradley. He played spectacular against the Clippers. But you had to see Giannis switching back and forth from AD and LeBron. And Chris Middleton, your $190 million man, is taking jump shots and not taking it to the hole and not taking a tough defensive assignment. And so you have Wes Matthews on LeBron, who's going to eat him. And so it's a tough situation. So what do you make of this? I know we've had some arguments over the past days about Chris Middleton, but 
let's avoid that and let's just talk about what do you think of Chris Middleton's future? Like, can he come through in the playoffs? Um, well, in the case of the Lakers game, it looked like Chris Middleton was just another guy out there when it's supposed to be the Bucks are this team and the Lakers are this these they have these superheroes in LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the Bucks where there's this all around roster. But it looked like I mean, in that game it's a super small small size. He didn't look that crazy. It was just he needs to guard LeBron. That was wild how so Giannis can guard Anthony Davis and yeah. match up. That was it, really weird to me. Really weird. And that's the thing with um it's kind of like every Bucks fan's worst nightmare is because for most of the season, they've been just beating the shit out of teams, winning by 20. And then when they get into these close games against these elite teams, this happened in the playoffs with the Raptors when they went out to that lead, and it everyone kind of just disappears. And why that's so important is because there are specific teams in the NBA, and I'm going to name them, that have a guy who can guard Giannis one-on-one. Sure, Giannis is still going to get his, but you're not having to send a double every time. So those teams are the Lakers with LeBron. And then you have the Clippers, obviously, with Kawhi, and they could throw Paul George. Clippers have a lot of guys who can defend. The Heat have Bam Adebayo, who's proven to be pretty good against Giannis. And then the 76ers, it's kind of like a mix of Al Horford and Joel Embiid. I mean, maybe throw Simmons at him. But they still kind of have the guys. I wouldn't include the Sixers in terms of those other three teams I mentioned. But when you can guard Giannis one-on-one, it allows the uh, your other defenders, obviously, to not have to cheat. And so they're... There's a lot less space for the Bucks shooters, and the problem that we found is that the Bucks need a second secondary playmaker, and it doesn't appear that Chris Middleton is that, or at least, I mean, you're paying him $190 million over the course of five years. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think they need another playmaker? Well, or am I freaking out too much? I don't think they necessarily need another playmaker. Uh, it's just someone... tough. They need someone who's balls who in the fourth quarter when Giannis is there so when LeBron James or Pascal Siakam or whoever in the east is guarding him but they oh, can say good. I forgot to say him good call um you can say fuck it I have yeah. whoever on me I'm gonna go score and he's isn't doing that right now he's a very efficient player he's good he's just he's a good player but he's not he doesn't the second star rise to the occasion and would you disagree that I think that the second the guy with the second biggest cojones on the Bucks is DiVincenzo yeah, we saw was. what he did last in the couple games. national championship game for Villanova. He was the MVP, obviously, there. And as much as I liked even Chenzo, you don't want to be going into the playoffs saying, yeah, our second our, – the guy down the stretch is going to take that <laughs> shot. We got DiVincenzo. But – so, yeah, that's going to be a, a problem that the Bucks are going to have to answer. Um, and if, God forbid, if, like, the Bucks get eliminated in maybe the second round of the Eastern Conference because the East, we're going to talk about this a little later, the East has teams. It'll be interesting to see if maybe the Bucks move on from Chris Middleton. <clears throat> I was trying, I was talking to you, like, I mean, Bradley Beal is an elite player, so this is hard. Maybe the Bucks could try to put together a package for Bradley Beal to get that secondary star for Giannis. I don't know, but if they go, if they fall out early in the playoffs earlier than expected i do think we could see something a shake-up to try and convince Giannis to stay because everyone's talking about his free agency but again this is just one game in the regular season the bucks are having a great season so maybe a little overreaction but i just think that those questions will are going to come up again don't you think yeah again such a that guy was malcolm brogdon last year now they don't have him i i know i repeat this all the time but it's, it's that's just, just such a shocking move to I mean, I know they re-signed Bledsoe before he sucked in the playoffs, but 
yeah, just having Bledsoe over Brogdon is tough. Um, that's just tough. So let's go into the second big game we had this weekend. We had the Lakers Clippers. Um, really felt like a. Pl- I mean, both of these games had a playoff atmosphere. Um, the Lakers though took care of the Clippers, 112 to 103. LeBron, 28 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. Davis puts in 30 and 8. And then the standout, other standout for the Lakers is you had Avery Bradley putting up 24 points. And then when you look at the Clippers, Kawhi had 27, no assists though. Paul George had 31, and I thought the Clippers kind of went away from Paul George. He was really good in the first half. And then I thought they should have been giving him the ball more, but... You know how I feel about Paul George. I think he's a bit overrated, and he doesn't love the big moments. So that could be the answer. I mean, obviously, when you have Kawhi, you're going to go to Kawhi. But um, what really killed the Clippers in this game was Marcus Morris. That's the one they have, right? 0 for 7, I believe. Yeah, he's 0 for 7, 1 point, and he played 29 minutes. Um, I think he was 0 for 10, actually, and 0 for 7 from 3. Oh, really? I think that might be it, yeah. Yeah, and... um. So and he had a critical missed. He split a pair of free throws towards the end of the game when the Clippers were hanging on by a thread. So about this matchup, you're not going to look too hard into it. Um, it's good to see if you're a Lakers fan. It's good to see LeBron take care of Kawhi because they hadn't beaten the Clippers yet. Um, and if you're a Clippers fan, you don't really panic because like Marcus Morris is a good player. That's not always going to happen. And it was a close game. You were always in it. And is Avery Bradley going to put up 24 points a game every time? Probably not. But the Lakers are good. And that's like, oh, hello, Captain Obvious. Um, the combo of LeBron and Anthony Davis is just as great as everyone thought it would be. And I don't, I'm, I was trying to think about the peak of the Heat, right, with LeBron and D Wade. I don't know if LeBron and D Wade played as well off each other as we're seeing Davis and LeBron now. Not saying that Le- Wade and LeBron didn't complement each other's games, but just the way that the LeBron pa- is the passing in the low post to AD, the way they cut in the lobs, those two are just very in sync and thus making the Lakers probably, I mean, they're going to be 100% going to be the favorite for the title going into the playoffs. And with me, I kind of just teeter back and forth between Lakers and Clippers on who I think is going to win. But the Lakers win this last um, win this last matchup against the Clippers. Thus, the next conversation that we're going to have, or did you have anything else on that Clippers game? I talked too much. What do you got for the people? This is our um, resident NBA insider, John Robbins. Go. I would say that with the Clippers, one a concern, not too much of a concern, because the Clippers are obviously great, and it's just a regular season game. But what we were saying with the Bucks uh, going back, that they don't have a guy that has the balls to go and take a shot. I think the Clippers have a little too many. Lou Williams gets a little too confident Good sometimes point. when it should just go to Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. They're great players, but it, they they don't you wouldn't you say that sometimes I, they have irrational confidence where Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell they're great players, but sometimes like come on, yeah, give it to Kawhi Leonard to bounce off that point really quick. Last night, or yesterday, Sunday, when the Lakers-Clippers were playing, it was in the fourth quarter, and I think it was like eight or eight minutes left about, and they had like both teams' elite groups were in, and uh, Lou Will was out there with the Clippers, and they were just, LeBron was just getting Lou Will switched onto him every time and isolating, and that kind of goes off your point. Like, why do you need to have Lou Will in there for offense right now? You have Paul George and Kawhi fucking Leonard. You know, like, so mm-hmm. bring in that either if it's Pat Bev, Shamit, someone who may be better defensively, because if the Lakers are going to swap 
LeBron onto Lou Will, which we know they will do because that's what LeBron did to Curry. That's what he's done to the oh, who was it? LeBron did it to against the Celtics that one year. Kyrie wasn't playing. So Isaiah it was, Thomas. It was Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, you see it in the playoffs. It, it, I mean, it's all it is in the playoffs is to pick and roll you to death, it's and it's matchups. about matchups. So. And so with Lou Will. I think the Clippers are going to, when they face the Lakers in the playoffs, they're going to have to not play him down the stretch, or I at least I don't think they should, because you have the offensive firepower in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Do you agree with that? I agree, 100%. It, Lou Williams is a great offensive player, but it, it really annoys me sometimes when he's taking, more. it seems, down the stretch more shots than Kawhi or Paul George. It seems like... in the. Tell me if I'm wrong, but when I'm watching Clippers game in the fourth quarter, it seems like Lou Williams has the ball more than Paul George. It seems You're like not that. wrong at all. No, I think um, I would put Lou Will in term in terms of who gets the ball the most in the fourth quarter for the Clippers, probably second. I think Kawhi still gets the main share, which is good because Kawhi is a top two player, top three player in the world, top one, uh, top one. You could say that too. Um, but so in terms of panic for the Clippers, obviously just one game. You're not too worried about this. You're not. Um, no, I'm not too worried. Who do you have between the Lakers and Clippers right now? If I put it up. Put a gun to your head. A fake gun, folks. I would take the Lakers. You take the Lakers. All right. It's just, I think Anthony Davis is the best player, teammate that LeBron has played with. I think he's better than Dwayne Wade. He is so, just, and LeBron doesn't even seem, LeBron's just as good, it feels like, as he was ever. LeBron's averaging 29, like 7, 10 or something right now. Um, So, to bounce off this, we're just talking about how great LeBron's been. Obviously, going into the weekend, Giannis Antetokounmpo was a 30 to 1, or Minus, minus 700. I was minus 3,000. Oh, really? What I saw. To an MVP? Minus 3,000 to That's an MVP. That's insane. Might have been minus 300. I might be misremembering it. But it's either one. Massive favorite, right? Massive favorite. Like, at the to the point where it's like, is it even worth placing a flyer on someone? Well, LeBron James this weekend vaulted himself right into the MVP race. Whether you like it or not, it is out there. Every t- single time Doris Burke announces a game, I like Doris Burke. I don't think she's bad some people are obsessed with her i'm kind of in the middle like she's good you know it's like but all she was talking about the whole game this was before lakers clippers and lakers bucks happened which is how lebron should be in the mvp race and, and that, at that point and still probably i think it's Giannis's award he has the best per ever and i know that's a you might be listening to this, like oh what's that stat basically it's your player efficiency rating and you don't always take the advanced analytics and make your argument off that. But when you look at the people who have had the best PERs ever, it's like a list that includes Wilt Chamberlain, LeBron, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry. Like So obviously, if you have the highest one ever, it's you're having a pretty damn good season. Do you think LeBron has a case for MVP? If you told me this three days ago, I would have completely laughed in your face. But you can see it. Again, because the MVP is such a narrative story, and you can see already everyone in the media just hopping on the LeBron James MVP bandwagon. And if it keeps going that way, I wouldn't be surprised because the narrative could turn that at 35. Oh my God, I can't believe LeBron's having this incredible yeah, season. Let's get him one more because he has four MVPs. And for how great of a player LeBron is, some like like um, Kareem has six. Um, like they could say we want to get LeBron one more because Giannis. Kobe has only more. got one. That was so stupid. That was, that's ridiculous. Um, but um. And they'll just, they could say Giannis has more time. Let's just give it to LeBron. And I've seen that narrative already forming, and it, I don't know how to feel. Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think LeBron's going to win MVP? I do, but I don't think he deserves it. I think it's should I go think to Giannis. I think he's going to win as well. I think um, 
I think LeBron's going to win the MVP, and honestly, I'm going to say right now, I think the Lakers are going to win it all. I do. I do as well. So, uh, it's LeBron's back. He obviously wasn't in the playoffs last year. He's well-rested. Hashtag washed king. That, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Who was calling him washed? God damn. Um, so, let's hop over to the Eastern Conference. Um, what do you think of the chances of some of these teams like Celtics, the Raptors, the 76ers, the Heat, about them maybe dethroning or not dethroning the Bucks, just beating the Bucks in the playoffs and taking that spot in the finals from the East. Do you think that's a possibility after this weekend, seeing the Bucks play like that? And not even just after that game, just of maybe the way like how Tatum's emerged. Obviously, the Raptors have won like 12 of their last 14 games, and then the Heat just beat the Bucks. Do you think that those teams have a chance? For sure. But like, oh. how big is it? Like, because there's always a chance. I would take the field over the Bucks in really? the East. I like. I that. would. What um what team do you right now out of the field do you think has the strongest shot at taking out the Bucks? For sure, either the Celtics or the Raptors. But I'm leaning Celtics, even though this last week they've lost a couple games by like one point. I still was a say tragic this. ending to that Thunder game yesterday. Uh, yeah. Did you see Tatum had the ste- the block and then the layup but go ahead layup and they still lost by like one. I just saw the Dennis Schroeder highlight. I only watched the first half and then I caught the last like ten seconds. But uh I, I the way the Celtics have been playing, I've caught a few of their other games. Um they've had some losses like you mentioned in the past week, but just really the emergence of Tatum superstar is the, is the reason that you would because if because the thing with Tatum now, it's realistic to say that there's a chance, even against a player like Giannis in a series, he could be the best player on the floor that given night. I'm not saying he's better than Giannis, but he could. Against anyone, any given he night, can, he's that good. That's what you need. And so him making that jump, they obviously have Jalen Brown as well, Kemba Walker. This team seems to like each other a lot more than the last year's Celtics team. And I think, I mean, we got to start seeing some uh, some more production from old Brad Stevens. Everyone loves him. I love him. But let, let's let's see it, Brad. You got a good team. The Bucks are certainly a great team, but they have their flaws. Let's see what you can do. And then when we move on to the Raptors, the Raptors are defending champions. They lost Kawhi, but you don't lose that confidence. Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry is a completely different player. The confidence that he has shown this year and just the leadership of not everyone doubting him anymore, I think really is makes a difference. I think Kawhi or Kawhi left, obviously. Kyle Lowry has been incredibly good this season. And if I'm the Bucks, if I'm the Celtics, going against Kyle Lowry and that team in the playoffs is scary. Because they have a lot of wings, they have a lot of length. Norman Powell's been playing out of his mind. Do you have anything on the Raptors? They're just a complete team. They're so, so athletic. So well coached. Nick Nurse is Coach of the year, for sure, right? I like, isn't he lock? Like, who else would you would I guess Bud because but the did, they got it last year. Usually they yeah. don't. So I think it's Nurse, right? I would say so. I mean, you could say Vogel, I guess it's the Lakers, but I mean, it's a joke. Nick Nurse is such a better Spolstra, coach, maybe. But I mean, I, mean, I, I would I go Nurse. I agree. I think. Nurse would you rather have favorite. Nurse or uh, Stevens as best coach in the league? I'm going to be a recency biasy guy, and I'm going to say I'd rather have Nick Nurse. I would as well. I really like the way I, what he does, how he tinkers with lineups, and he tries out things. Steven does that too, but just Nick Nurse is really innovative. Um, all right. Uh, Heat, they have Bam Adebayo who can match up with uh, Giannis, and then Jimmy Butler's obviously. He's going to get his in the playoffs. Do you think they have a chance? 
Very I think nice. they're, they're gonna they're gonna think that they have a chance, which is what you need going to the playoffs. Jimmy Butler is not gonna enter any series thinking mm-hmm. he's gonna lose, which and, is great. Yeah, and there was that report a few weeks ago about pretty much how it was somebody who'd talked to like most of the teams in the Eastern Conference, and no one's afraid of the Bucks, is what they were saying. Like it isn't like they how shouldn't. in years past when there's kind of like the LeBron Cavs team where it's like, well, fuck, we're just gonna lose to them when we eventually face them. That's gone. So Giannis is now it's his chance to seize the throne, seize the East. Kawhi is gone. LeBron is gone. Let's see if he can do it. Um, now, what I wanted to talk to you about was the race for the eighth seed in the West. And I was wondering if you could just break it down for us. Who's in the eighth seed right now? I know it's Memphis. And then I believe the Kings, are they three and a half, four and a half back? The Pelicans and Kings are both four games back. Four games back. How many games do we have left to play about? Um, I think it's like 18. Eight, okay. 18. Do you, if you were a betting man, are you taking the Grizzlies? Do you think that's pretty much a lot? Because 18, four games, 18 games, that's a lot of, that's a lot of games to make up. Or are you maybe buying stock in the Pelicans or the Kings? I'd take the Grizzlies. They're playing pretty great right now without, without Jaron Jackson. Jackson. Incredible. And four games is so much just to make up in 18 games. Mm-hmm. Um, if you asked me a week ago, before the Pelicans lost a couple of games in a row, I'd probably say the Pelicans just because they're a much scarier team, and wouldn't you agree, in oh, the playoffs? Yeah. But I just I think that the Grizzlies are going to hold on. Well, well, it should. Hopefully, we get what would be the dream is we get one of those like playing game type scenarios or between either the Pelicans and Grizzlies or hey, I like the Kings. Our boys up in Sacktown would appreciate <laughs> that. Tim would be very excited, and Evan. Um, so, yeah, I agree that the Grizzlies are probably the most likely. Um, I, weirdly, I kind of think that the Pelicans, I think I'd take the Kings over the Pelicans for some reason. I just kind of feel like the, the Kings are that team that, like, could get so close and then just not get it. You know, like, the Pelicans might just stay four games back, but the Kings will make a run to give the great fans in Sacramento a hope because they have not been to the playoffs since 2006 and then just kind of, like, fuck it up right at the end but in a chargers way in a very charge chargers and the kings very similar (laughs) franchises so i feel your pain um in other nba news kyrie irving has fired kenny atkinson i'm just kidding um the nets have part mutually parted ways is how they phrased it with kenny atkinson who i believe was in coach the coach of the year race last year being considered for it he's widely considered across the NBA as a great coach. And our resident NBA insider, John, considers him a great coach. What are your thoughts on the situation? You're a big Kenny guy, right? I'm a huge Kenny guy. I mean... Folks, you just got to look at the look on his face right now. He's distraught. I was just about to say distraught. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's ridiculous. But, I mean, I guess if Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant are saying these things, you have to appease them. But Kenny Atkinson's a... A t- almost a top five coach in my opinion he is great he, he's one of those coaches like Nick Nurse often does where he's not afraid to be weird and throw a zone at you for two minutes and just just be annoying and it's it's effective and the guys on that team last year that are still there are such a tight-knit group and they was so they were so well coached but so much more fun last it was year so much more fun and I guess the old guys kind of like Kyrie and KD they want like a Ty Lue coach for some reason just you like you hear the Mark Jackson rumors that would be dumb oh my 
I mean, so they just why does every to... player want Mark Jackson? Mark Jackson's not a good coach. Why exactly. does everyone like Mark Jackson? I don't know. If we, you know, if you ever say anything positive about Steve Kerr on Twitter, the every annoying person on Twitter will come at you of like, oh, Steve Kerr's so lucky. Mark Jackson built that offense. False. Look at the way the Warriors played before the year Steve Kerr came. It was an ISO-heavy offense that didn't utilize Clay well. They didn't run him off screens. It was just Curry and Clay taking turns isolating while everyone stood there. And then the Warriors became the Warriors when they started running the Kerr motion offense. Um, and it wasn't until Kerr too, so that too that they started Draymond. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to say was. Kevin Durant, so Kyrie Irving is catching the majority of the blame, or not the blame, just like people giving him shit on Twitter, saying Kyrie is probably the reason, which there have been kind of some reports lending some truth to that. But the one thing I want to say is I think KD is equally as responsible because one thing, throughout this whole Warriors dynasty, Steve Kerr has been loved by everyone except one person. And it, what, it the Warriors are good at keeping things kind of hush. KD did not like Steve Kerr. That was pretty obvious by the end. And it never was publicly said, but you could tell that Steve Kerr and KD were not on the same page. I think Steve Kerr did say something after I was on him because, I mean, that's what you do as a coach. You say that. But KD isn't really a happy camper. And now that he has a year to sit there and is hearing Kyrie complain about stuff, I could see them saying making a move this way. And I also, though, I don't think we should rule out Kenny Atkinson sensing that moment of oh fuck they're gonna fuck this up and being like you know what i'm a great nba coach i'll get another job i'm getting the fuck out of here because what you're dealing with is a kyrie irving who i mean the injuries are like four pages long now that that dude's had he's had rusted screws in his knees and not to mention he's a fucking head case and then you have kevin durant who i thought before he got injured was the best player in the world who's coming off a very gnarly injury, Achilles injury. And I am of the camp that believes we'll, we're going to see a really good KD again, but that's not 100% guaranteed. So Kenny Atkinson could be dodging a mess here. You think? I don't. I think that KD <laughs> or Kyrie wanted him out because they want to ISO and they want a coach that lets them do whatever they want. I mean, if, if KD really has a problem with Kenny Atkinson and Steve Kerr, that's, those are two of the most respected coaches in the league. That's just wild. I mean, T. Lou, T. Lou, KD. I don't think we should consider anything out of the question for KD. The dude like was on ESPN or whatever and was like, "No, I still have my burner accounts." That's kind of funny. It is kind of <laughs> funny, but it's like, wow, you truly like are just a wild card. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about was the Rockets. So the Rockets and Daryl Morey, who is really annoying, they. Act like they reinvented basketball a couple weeks ago with the when they trade Clint Capella and they go for Robert Covington and they run that small lineup of Westbrook, Harden, P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, and who's the fifth? I'm forget Eric Gordon. So you have that lineup or Daniel House or Daniel House, and they're running that lineup with no bigs, spacing the floor out, really using Russell Westbrook as their center, and it was effective for the first. 10 games I think they won nine in a row or something like that and obviously in the regular season that's going to catch teams off guard they're not practicing they're not prepared for that but I thought it was really weird because everyone was proclaiming it as a great success and it was like holy shit they did it Daryl Morey he's done it he's like Mike D'Antoni he's done this he's done that okay does everyone remember that the Rockets won like 65 games two years ago and have taken the Warriors to seven games in the Western Conference Finals. 
The Rockets have proven that their style works in the regular season. This has happened before. They won. They were the one seed over the Warriors. They have Daryl Morey and D'Antoni haven't proved anything with this new lineup until they win a playoff series against a good team and are a legitimate threat. Otherwise, it's just like regular season wins, and it's the same shit as what we're going to see in the playoffs that we do with those two players every year, don't you think? Or you do you like this more than I do? Because I think it's like, okay, that's cute. You're doing it in the regular season. You get The Rockets are always good in the regular season. You're going to get – when a team can practice and game plan for this type of approach – and play you over and over again, I think they're going to catch up to it. And you're just, the rebounding deficit will eventually just fuck you. I don't like the center if you without a center because if you can understand how it would work for a little bit, because it's like, I've never seen this before. This yeah. is really weird. I don't know what to adjust. But now it's been out there for a couple of weeks. And you look and they've lost to the Knicks and the, they lost to the Clippers and they lost to the Hornets and they lost to the Magic four games in a row. The Clippers is understandable. Those are three horrible teams. Yeah, and I mean, that's the risk you run of when you're playing those teams you just mentioned. You're so reliant on the three ball. And they got waxed. They had one of the worst shooting the three nights ever against the Clippers, I'm pretty sure. And when you're so reliant on the three ball, and then you also can't rebound to give yourself second chance opportunities because you have no bigs, it's a lose-lose situation, I think. And I'm glad Daryl Morey did his victory lap in February, and I'm looking forward to a first-round exit for the Houston Rockets. Who would they be matched up with right now? Let me look. Would it be the Thunder? Possibly? I was under the impression... Okay, so before they went on the skid, it was Rockets-Jazz first round. But I, I think... The, they could beat the Jazz. They could beat the Jazz. Well, the Jazz won five in a row. Mike Conley, finally, we're seeing some signs of life from him. Um, I think the Rockets-Jazz, I would lean Rockets, but... I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz beat him. I mean, I just Rudy Gobert just needs to do something. Like Rudy Gobert, you're Rudy Gobert can't tall. even play against the Rockets, really. So maybe they do. Have he, a they're chance. playing the Nuggets right now. The Rockets have fallen all the way back to the sixth seed. That's how close this West is. Fuck. The Thunder are the five seed. Shea Gilgis, Chris Paul, Danilo, Stephen. I the um the Thunder have been like. That's I guess Billy Donovan should be another guy who should be You're in the right. ring for coach of the coach of the year. Well, he's everyone thought that team was going to tank, and not only are they good, they have eight draft seven draft picks from the Clippers or something. A ridiculous I think it was, it's amount. like five and four pick swaps or it's something crazy, ridiculous. Um, so the Thunder are feeling pretty good, especially with uh, Paul George signing a two year and Kawhi signing two year contracts or whatever with the Clippers. Uh, do you have anything else before we wrap it up today, John? I don't. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure. Um, this is the pineapple couch with B Rob. Um, we are back. We're going to, um, I am recovered from my surgery. So these are going to be more frequent. We will be back actually later this week with a baseball preview for you. Uh, We're going to do, we're going to start with the AL. That's going to be with big dog and hopefully Dustin. And then next week we'll be back with basketball and then we're going to do the NL and then we will be in Vegas for March madness that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we will be doing a live pod in our hotel room. So there will be no one watching us, but we will be watching. It'll be a cool view, and we're going to do our full baseball preview probably around then. Um, And, yeah, this has been the Pineapple Couch. Johnny, you're the man. Uh, See ya. Thank you.
Thank you.